G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today, welcome back for part two of our Building Industry Insights with Chester Kutner. I'm really excited as we're covering some juicy topics today from the activity levels that Chester's seeing out there in the market, some of the challenges and difficulties facing the building industry. We go into the cost increases that people are likely to see, what sort of time periods you can expect to build, the effect on replacement costs that all of this is having to the overall market. And we ask the question, when is the right time to build? And some of the factors to consider in that. And finally, we touch on what areas are hot with building at the moment to give you some insight into what's happening out there. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialists servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. So what sort of activity have you been seeing, um, I guess, take us through before the building grants, during the building grants and post-building grants? Okay, so let's go back to March last year, COVID hits. And uh, like most builders, you know, we uh, encouraged most of our staff to work from home initially. And we expected a big slowdown in the building industry. But by May, even before the stimulus grants were announced, we're not sure what triggered it, but there was a big increase in activity. Whether the lockdowns prevented people from considering travel as an option and people just started to spend their money locally. The expats potentially coming back and Yeah, there's just people places. started to show up volumes for meetings and appointments with clients were the highest they'd been in more than 10 years of business. Yeah. So we couldn't figure out what that was triggered by but before we had time to figure it out <laughs> the first week of june came the announcement of the stimulus grants yes and let's pump it everything up everything went crazy we sold a record number of homes in june july july it got to a point where we'd taken we very ethical in our approach in that we never want to take on more business than we can actually deliver homes for. yeah uh, i mean we had some horror stories i was selling a lot of land at that time too and I won't name the other builders by name but it was just so disheartening for the buyers as well to have building contracts cancelled and it was even the handling of it was just done in such a poor way so they waited so far into the buyer's uh, finance period it was like the day that it's due they would tell them and they've used 60 or 90 days to come to the conclusion that they can't deliver on the building yeah. contract or at that point they've come back and asked for another 90 days of finance period and one builder actually used two lots of, of 60 days and then told the client at the end they were going to cancel their contract. So it was just... Yeah, we've seen a lot of unethical behaviour in the marketplace during that period where builders took on way more than they could handle and then by December as they got close to those cutoff deadlines and realising they couldn't deliver, they started to hand back... Uh, homes to clients and say we're not prepared to build your home and where do the clients go they've got nowhere to go because now they've put all their faith in one builder and they all of a sudden find out if they pull out now there's no other builder willing to take them on because it's too short a time frame Mm. and they're going to miss out on a significant amount of grant money i mean in most cases it was twenty thousand plus twenty five thousand so that's forty five thousand dollars of stimulus grants 
Whereas if you looked at Blueprint, for the entire month of August, we closed down our sales book. We didn't take on a single sale in August. And then yeah, well. from September, October, November, and December, it was a very controlled number of homes for each month. And it was based on our projected ability to deliver those homes in the time frame to make sure all our clients obtain their grants. Hmm. So and don't get me wrong, I don't think it's fair on the builders to go from, you know, almost a skeleton delivery of projects in, you know, pre-COVID because things were on the more quieter end after yeah. our downward, um, you know, recovery period and mm-hmm. then to just suddenly have to deliver overnight and have things ramp up. I mean, it's not fair on any on any industry to have to do that, especially for all the workers. Yeah, and I think the timeframes were too short in their initial announcements. Yeah. That you and look, that said, there. I know there was many industries that, didn't have jobs at all in the travel industry and my heart goes out to them as well. So I don't want to be sounding like, oh, poor builders. (laughs) Oh, no, no, we're not crying poor builder here. We're just, you know, discussing how it all unfolded. Yeah. And I think because we worked to the original timelines before the extensions were announced, I think most of our grant-related homes will have their slabs down by October this year. And I think almost every one of them before December, even though the timeframes have been extended to next year. So whereas for other builders who took on more than they could handle, while they might see it as some relief that they're now able to get those slabs down and their clients are able to get the grants, uh, what's happening though is there's steep price increases in the market and those cost increases are being passed back to the clients. So whatever they made, uh, or receiving and stimulus grants are being chewed up by increases from the other side. So it's yeah. it's a no-win situation for anyone, really. And what's typical when it comes to building contracts as to what can or can't be passed on? Is there any kind of standards that you've seen out there, just generally speaking? Uh, no, this is this is a time like no under no other we've seen the prices are rising steeply every week we've yeah. heard shipping costs have gone from 2500 a container to ten thousand dollars a container so that's a 400 percent increase there so we've yeah, seen wow. large steep increases in timber as i guess you know, if a shipping container yeah. increases by that much 400 percent. i mean what does that do to the cost of every fixture and fitting and thing that goes into them Everything that's being imported and then there's material shortages because unfortunately the boom's not just in WA. There's building activity that's going on across the world. Mm. There's building activity that's going on in the eastern states and there's a lot of shipping containers held up in Singapore that are not shipping to Australia because it's more lucrative to ship those containers elsewhere. Okay. Uh, so there's also material shortages. There's trade shortages with the lockdowns and uh the inability to bring people in from interstate or other countries. So uh, there's a limited number of uh, skilled people who live here. And those same people keep passing around to different builders, increasing their price as they go from one builder to the next. So take a bricklayer, for example, there's the same pool of bricklayers. There's the same number of builders, but there's an increased volume of builds. So I, I see it almost like, monopoly and you know i have a joke that says every time you pass goal collect 200 so it's almost <laughs> like that uh builder one you know has a price offered to a bricklayer who then goes to build a two gets an increase goes to build a three gets another 
steeper increase and then comes back to builder one and says this is my new price so uh there's been cost increases passed on from trades there's cost increases passed on from materials so it's very difficult it's not viable uh we're not talking about normally the agreements with suppliers would last a year okay so you agree on a price and that's your price for the year uh, at the moment you're lucky if a supplier holds the price for a week so yeah. even during the period of the build the price is climbing steeply so at blueprint i'm not sure how other builders handle this at blueprint we don't pass on any price increases once the build starts but okay. of course there are delays pre construction say for example in the issue of titles uh, land not being available to build on and those kind of uh, delays there is there is some if you have green lights with your yeah with your land and titles absolutely. and everything else being ready then absolutely that's why we try to be as accommodating with the clients as much as possible but and we don't pass on all our cost increases to them so we just we see it as a partnership where some portion of the costs are increased costs are shared with them where there's delays outside our control okay and when you say from the moment that you start building what moment is that usually uh that's pretty much after we've got all approvals and we we're ready to go to site and construction okay. can commence so yeah like uh, we've heard peace of mind then doesn't it yes we've heard uh builders passing on price increases even after construction has commenced yeah well yeah i guess this must be um certainly increasing the overall replacement cost of houses out there and it's interesting to think how that might translate through to the rest of the market because someone had built 2 years ago compared to if they build now it's going to be a, a lot cheaper to well, build previously the average price of a home has climbed 50 to 60000 with a project builder between last year and this year okay this time but then you add to that a client who's uh so about 20% maybe uh yeah i would say around uh, that. Uh, probably closer to 30% okay so you're taking an average home of uh 180 200,000 okay, last yeah. year would be about 250 260 this year but then you add to that the fact that people who built last commenced building last year uh would receive would have received $45,000 in stimulus yep. grants uh there's a $100,000 difference between the price of a, uh somebody who built a home yeah, last wow, year and received the stimulus grants and somebody who's building a home right now and you have to think that that replacement cost is creeping into the marketplace uh and is going to creep into the established market too because why would you sell something for a price you can't build it at exactly yeah well that's a, it's a really great insight chester thanks for that uh, i hadn't actually added it all up or appreciated you know where the the different components were coming from so uh any other challenges that are facing the industry or Well, they're the main ones. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, labor shortages, material shortages, shipping yeah. costs, 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 costs. Yeah, but I'm not. I mean, it's it's not something that the building industry is crying about. I mean, we're grateful that in these times that we still have a lot of work on, and I think it's just a case of understanding that the, with the costs rising, it's important that the builders keep their time time frames and the clients also. keep time frames as as short and as tight as possible yeah so that you minimize the margin erosion as uh the build goes through the system so and i guess that works well for everyone if the time frame can be tight correct and it also comes down to builders not taking on more than they can deliver in these times so 
it's very tempting to make hay while the sun shines. Leads for a lot of awkward conversations. So you yeah. first sign the clients up uh, under whatever pretext, get them to come in, then you can't deliver. Now the delay is being caused by you. Is it then uh, fair to pass a cost increase back on to a client just because the builder can't deliver uh, mm. in certain timeframes or has taken on more than they can chew? So how long are you expecting homes to take to get built at the moment, presuming that you don't have site or title issues? Yeah, so prior to the, the madness, Depending on when someone listens to this as well, you know, <laughs> it can vary, so yeah. keep that in mind, listeners. Yeah. So prior to all the madness commencing, uh, Blueprint used to commit to an average of six months pre-construction, six months on-site. So oh, roughly yeah. a 12-month build process, but most of our homes used to complete within 10 months. Uh, at the moment, what we're saying to clients is that our construction timeframes have blown out slightly to eight months, whereas our pre-construction timeframe, we've been able to shave a little time off it. So we brought it down to four or five months. So oh, we're still saying oh. uh, probably start to finish from the moment a site has site reports back, so a survey and a soil report to uh, construction being handed over, be 12 to 14 months. Wow, um, that's excellent. Yeah. What's going to happen over the next six, eight months is going to be interesting because over the last four months, a large number of those stimulus grant jobs have received their slabs. So obviously, yep. the big chase was to put the concrete slab down to make sure that the clients qualified for their grants. What happens from here? Because yeah. as you drive around, you must have seen numerous slabs uh, loaded up with bricks, but no work going on. Mm. So you've got lots of slabs lying around, a limited number of bricklayers, and all these jobs to complete. And I guess to so a then, certain extent, things are not within everyone's control too. So Yeah. Um, given that we have a set number of uh, loyal uh, tradespeople who okay. worked with us for a number of years. Uh, we expect to not have any significant blowout in our timeframes over the 12 to 14 months I've indicated from a site being available to when we complete a home. But there may be a little bulge in the system as the current three to four months worth of slabs go through. We don't okay. expect that to extend too long. We have heard reports and seen newspaper reports of timeframes for builders blowing out to two to three years. I'd have to imagine that if you're talking about the higher time frame, like three years, it's more likely to be a two-story home builder, okay. uh, which is understandable. Their time frames are longer than single story. But on the other hand, it also could be uh, related to builders who've taken on way more than they have capacity to deliver. And some of those time frames are originating from that. But sometimes also reports that are adverse in the media can harp on the one or two homes that are taking a significant longer time and almost sound like that's the average time frame to build a home. But in reality, that's not the case. You'd find that time frames have blown out. Uh, I think builders and clients are working closely with each other to keep each other updated of what's happening, how it's all unfolding and keep things flowing along as smoothly as possible. But there's so many scenarios that we can't predict. What happens when the borders open? Yeah. Does that mean we'll get more tradespeople in or does that mean there'll be a huge influx of people wanting to return to Perth and build new homes or yeah. buy new homes? So uh, which way this all unfolds, it's going to be very interesting. And how have you seen 
interest to build post the grants since since they've stopped? Like um, seen? It's quite interesting, actually, because in the stimulus grant period, we had a surge in demand that would excess, exceed three times uh, okay. what our peak, our biggest ever oh, wow. boom year would have been. <laughs> And we had to curtail that and restrict the number of homes we would sell through that period. Yeah. Uh, we did take on a larger number of homes than uh, we would have normally taken, but then that's offset by the lower than expected first half of the year when things okay. got quieter. So overall, that still balances out. Post-stimulus uh, grants, the numbers are still equivalent to some of our best years, and that's okay. the boom period of... Uh, and the construction boom period of 2013, 2014, 2015. So we're still seeing a large number of steady builds coming through. Uh, how long it's going to last is anyone's guess. Yours mm. is as good as mine. So yeah, so it's and been steady and strong since uh, March when the second when the extended uh, stimulus grant ended. Oh, uh, we've still seen a lot of lot of inquiry. I guess we have to appreciate as well because you are in that sort of middle. Tier market. I've, I've I've anecdotally seen and chatting to the more the first home buyer builders, things have really dropped off more rapidly in there. Like, yeah, and it wasn't going to be a su- sustainable. Everyone rushed in, used their first home buyers grant, and and now there'll be a lull. Whereas you're probably a bit more dealing with the some of the upgraders and some of the the more better off first home buyers. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with uh, you know prices of homes climbing or the build prices of homes climbing twenty to thirty percent over the last year, it prices out some of the entry level home um, first home buyers and things like mm. that, and they're looking to buy more established smaller properties, units, or something to find their way into the market. And like you said, bringing forward a large number of first home buyers by the the way the stimulus grants were targeted. It obviously uh, achieved the government's aim to spur a lot of building activity and keep people employed and keep uh, business activity in the sector. But it's also brought forward a large number of bills. So that has to uh, people who were planning to build this year that ended up signing up last year to build a home will obviously those numbers will drop off. You'll you'll see that reflected in the numbers going forward, I expect. And um, I guess what would you say to someone that has been putting off building, thinking that might wait another year or? <laughs> uh, I can only share from my own experience, when's the right time to build? You know, I, I shared with you at the beginning of this. I mean, that was very reassuring to me that your timeframes are still much more well in control. And I think that's certainly notable. And of course, it's a dynamic thing and these things can change. But that was a big surprise to me, especially. Yeah, we, so, we run a very tight ship in terms of workflow. And of course, my neck's on the line there because I'm in <laughs> yeah. charge of workflow. But I would say, you know, in 2002, 2003, 2004, a lot of people told me, this is the wrong time to build, this is the wrong time to buy. And I waited, listening to all the experts who predicted, mm. and some of them were real luminaries in the field who predicted that the crash was coming and no crash came. And then again, when you do things for the right reasons and for the long term, then I would say, look, there's never, you know, they always, I think the, the common adage is that the best <laughs> time to build was yesterday. Yeah. Um, 
But if you're speculating that I'm hoping to build this year to sell for a profit next year, I'd probably say... And you uh, put everything on the line to do that. Yeah, I'm probably the wrong person to be advising you and that's a gamble that I'm not prepared to take. But if you're building a home for your own use for the next five to 10 years, then there's never... Today is as good as any day to build a home. It's got to be the right thing though for you. I wouldn't be speculating. I wouldn't be going far outside what you can service in terms of uh, debt repayments. Uh, Interest rates are at an all-time low, so that's wonderful for now. But as they climb in the future, you just have to be pragmatic and sensible and make sure that you're able to handle those repayments when that yeah. time, if that time comes. And I don't want to be that real estate agent coming in and selling people up when they can't afford their fabulous new house that has been built after Absolutely. interest rates start to go up. No, there's a lot of pain that goes with that. That has happened in previous times when we've been through the interest rate cycle. So it would yes. be good for people to be more wary this time, but... Yeah, the general trend does will. seem to indicate that people are being more conservative this time mm. in terms of uh, savings. A lot of people are, I know in Australia, all the indicators are showing that savings are going up. So Yeah, because we haven't been able to take holidays yet, Chester, so it's going to be a big holiday boom probably. <laughs> That's true. Bali is closed at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, got it. I can't even imagine how Bali might be. It can't be good. No, it can't be doing good. No. We are very blessed to live in Perth, so yeah. yeah. One final question before I um, let you go is um, what areas are you seeing, I guess, have more activity than others? Do, do any areas come to mind? And I, I know you would build everything from infill to different land estates and are your clients sort of more active in any given areas or are you seeing a, a spread across? I think when the market was down, you, you saw, you know, if you go back to before the stimulus grants, you saw a lot of people buying in the outer estates, affordable land, new estates, land available with titles, and people would go out. Once the market, uh, the stimulus grants came in, all the land dried up, all the titled land dried, dried yeah, up. Okay. And that drove a lot of people to go into infill blocks. So we've seen a heavy increase in activity in the infill sites. But then... Obviously, all the flat, easy-to-build-on sites get snapped up first. Yeah, so now you're seeing really, I don't want to say it's bottom of the barrel, but you're seeing more difficult, I guess. More difficult sites to build on. I guess relating back to what you said at the start, like that. people need to be even more aware of their site costs than yeah. the other I think find people who can advise you, uh, find a block that's titled or close to being titled and not just listen to what somebody is saying about a block being available for, uh, you know, it's going to be titled next month. Actually make some calls, ring the council, find out if it's already been lodged with the council. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, this is due for titles next month. You call the council, there's no paperwork lodged. You're (laughs) not even aware that this block's been put up for subdivision and you know that this is a long way off mm. the only in a normal market that wouldn't matter because if titles are delayed by four or five months you get to do all your pre-construction work without having settled on land and paying interest on it but in the current market with prices rising and costs going up every month i think it's very dangerous to have something where titles are delayed because those whatever you um, yeah, good advice. save on interest, you're going to pay far more than that in cost increases. Wow, that's a great insight to end things on. Thank you so much for all your time today and your incredible thoughts and uh, inside view on things. It's um, something that I'm sure will help people a lot. It's a pleasure, Jared.
Thanks for having me. Chat again soon. All right. See you. See